Ireland Talks podcast with Kevin Byrne. You're very welcome to another edition of the podcast. And yes, it's been a while due to a variation of reasons we haven't been with you. But the main thing is we are back. Now, I have a really exciting interview to uh, bring to you that we recorded about six weeks back with a man who was first and foremost an actor. He's been in many's the movie like... My Left Foot, The Commitments, etc, etc. You will know him from Fair City also. He's a great musician, a great singer, and all in all, a multi-talented man. He's the son of a very, very famous Irish balladeer, and that being Ronnie Drew. Of course, I'm talking about Phelan Drew, and I began by asking Phelan what it was like growing up around the Dubliners and to have such a famous dad as Ronnie Drew. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Kevin, it's funny, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was at my normality when I was growing up. Uh, I was used to, um, you know, when I, when I started to dawn on me that, you know, my father was doing something different. Um, he did something that I was attracted to, I suppose. Um, uh, first and foremost, I wasn't really aware of the whole fame thing that kind of you become more aware of that later when you're walking down the street with your father and you're 12 years of age and everybody wants to stop and say hello to him you know but when you're when you're a child you're you're kind of oblivious to all that you just think oh yeah my dad knows everybody you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and i was always you know i was always gripped by the uh, the electricity that was generated by a Dubliners concert, you know, and uh, the, the lineup that I would have grown up with was um, uh, John Sheen and Kieran um, uh, Burke, uh, Luke and Barney and Dad, you know. Yeah. So uh, they were incredible. I mean, I always say they were like there were five individuals who independently could have been very successful in their own right. But together they were dynamite. And uh, they they just they created a concert which was extraordinary in terms of its um, you know its its uh, its energy, um, and 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 I'd, like to this day I meet people who say like Jesus the the Dubliners gave us great great you know and I think they they, they gave us great entertainment and enjoyment and 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 helped them forget their own troubles and I think that's yeah. something that you know that 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 people really are grateful to them for you know um and it, it's easy to kind of like gloss over that in terms of history and and go ah uh, you know define people in terms of you know hit records and uh, appearances are uh, you know on top of the pops but at the end of the day like you know they touch so many people uh, and and not just in dublin and ireland in you know scotland and and england and and uh, you know all over uh, you know europe and scandinavia and uh, and even further um but like i I suppose it's not until like it, it's funny. It's it's since my dad passed away that people are more inclined to uh, to kind of uh, to, to to want to talk to me about about the fact that you know that I'm Ronnie's son. You know, yeah. Um, and and I remember like I remember there was a man called I uh, can't remember his surname now, but uh, there was a man called Declan, and uh, he was a uh, he was the son of a friend of my dad's, and I remember thinking this guy had grey hair, and I thought, Jesus Christ, they're all making a big fuss about his dad, and the man, the poor man's gone around with fucking grey hair, like you know what I mean, you know what I mean. But I, I'm starting to like, I mean, I I I I would never ever, um, you know, feel 
uh, you know, uh, irritated if somebody wanted to talk to me about my dad, you know. But uh, sometimes, I suppose it doesn't help that I sport a beard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, and somebody even said to me last night, you know, God, you look so like your dad. But it's, it's inevitable, like, and what I say to people is like, geez, we all end up looking like our, our parents at yeah. some stage or other, you know. Um. You know, I suppose when when you talk about the Dubliners and you, and you mentioned they're, you know, they they were probably more famous than what what people realise because when you're having conversation about uh, you know bands in Ireland, you you know you'd hear you too, but the Dubliners will always be mentioned as one of them bands that had such a massive influence. Like when when you think of the other bands that they they played with, for example, the Pogues. You know, they were such a huge force in, in, in the country. Yeah. And do you know what? Like, like uh, Ronnie said to me, like later in life, he just sort of said to me, look, Jocks, you know, that was my nickname was Jocks are at home, you know. Okay. He said, look, Jocks, you know, he said, you know, we were just very lucky, you know. Uh, and that was him being kind of, uh, he was, you know, prone to being self-deprecating. But, you know, they did an awful lot of work in the early days in terms of finding material, you know, finding songs that, you know, had been lost. Um, they traveled the country, they played in fairs, um, you know, and Luke had gone over to England and, you know, met you and McCall and, he, you know, they, they had this wealth of material. Yeah. Kieran Burke, you know, had all these Irish songs uh, because he was interested in the Irish language and, you know, and then Barney, of course, and, and John were, you know, uh, unparalleled as musicians, you know, and um, so, you know, they had all this wealth of material and uh, they just, you know, they, 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 they kind of, uh, they, they, they scratched an itch that people were, were didn't even know that they had, you know, yeah. and um, and they were, you know, they they, they really they and they crossed borders as well because um, of their attitude, you know, they were quite anti-establishment. Uh, they were very pro working class and uh, you know pro the uh, the working man and the ordinary person in the street, yeah. um, you know which is grossly underrepresented uh, in today's society. Absolutely, you know? yeah. um, And uh, so they stood for an awful lot of things that people you know really really attracted people to them, um, and uh, yeah, you know it's. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I've lost my train of thought now, Kevin. But uh, that happens as all, uh, Phelan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did your dad ever uh, talk about uh, a side of the business he didn't like? Not really. I mean, he was quite. You know, he'd been around the block, and you know, the Dubliners had had travelled all over the country, and they came across, you know, uh, the show bands, and um, uh, you know, uh, he was great friends with people from all sides of, of uh, the business. Um, and uh, I was going to say earlier on, like, I mean, in reference to something you said there, like they were very modest, you know, they yeah. didn't, uh, they didn't go on about like, Oh, I've just met this buddy and I've just met that buddy, you know? I mean, I found out years later that Ronnie got drunk with uh, Johnny Cash, you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, 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 with Luke and, and the whole lot of them, you know? And, uh, and like, I was astonished to find out uh, out later, but, and, and uh, at one time he met, um, he met uh, uh, Larry Mullen from U2 in a, a hotel in, in, in Germany. He didn't know who he was, you know? Yeah. And they got into a conversation and Ronnie thought he was a young fellow who was working on the sites in, uh, in, in whatever city they were in. 
And then he probed a little further and he found out that he was in a band. And I, he said, where are you playing? And he says, uh, I'm playing in a, uh, an arena outside town, which is about like a 25,000 seater arena. And the Dubliners were playing in the local concert hall, you know. Yeah. And Ronnie thought like, oh, Jesus, like, who is this guy, you know? Uh, but they, they, they struck up a friendship there and then, you know. But as regards, you know, um, areas of the business uh, Ronnie didn't like, he didn't like money. To tell you the truth, mm. he didn't like handling money. I mean, he he didn't mind spending it. <laughs> yeah. He didn't he he didn't like uh, he didn't like you know just the, the whole area of of uh, you know of of, uh, of of handling money and, and administering all that kind of side of things. So he left that to other people, and they paid a huge price for that in the early days. Yeah, uh, they left they left all the business side of things uh, to other people. And uh, that was a huge mistake, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, over the years, uh, with the help of John and uh, and his son Fiacre and that, they they kind of gained more control over uh, the back catalogue. The right, and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, exactly, you know. And it's not like you know there's huge money because it's they 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 didn't write their own material, you know. Yeah. Um, but they definitely defined um, an awful lot of uh, a sound that's been <laughs> that's been replicated. Uh, all over the place, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like as I said, they 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 have mass, massive influence even to this day. Um, I'd be right. Would I be right to say that your your dad was very he was very quick with an answer? I heard a great story, and and I could I stand corrected. It could I think it was Barney that said it in, in a documentary that uh, your dad was in in O'Donoghue's pub in in Marion Row of a morning, and a a, a guy said to him. Jesus, Ronnie, I heard you were uh, meant to be off uh, the drink. And, and your dad said to him, um, well, I have one every now and then because it helps me mind my own business. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's that's the most famous, uh, you know, one about about Ronnie, you know. Yeah. And there are others as well. I mean, I he, he was so kind of dry, you know, and so off the cuff that, you know, I wish I had uh, written them down because they weren't really kind of quotes as such, but he was just... He was very, he was very easy to, uh, easily able to um, handle situations and people, you know, um, particularly when he was younger, I think, you know, yeah. uh, like he, he was in a, 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 an accident uh, when he was uh, about 1979. So he would have been in his forties, I suppose, uh, in fifties. Yeah. And um, he, uh, he was visited in the hospital by a guard, you know, and uh, the guard said to him, look, Ronnie, he says, I know, you know, that the whole case is is cut and dried, you know what I mean? It was 50-50, bloody blah, you know, um, and uh, and he says, I know you, you swerved off the road to avoid the other car and you've ended up in hospital with a, a broken hip and the whole lot, but... I have to ask you, you know, uh, just because there's an investigation pending, uh, I have to ask you, was there drink taken? And uh, apparently Ronnie said, uh, well, what do you think I am? A fucking stunt driver. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. he was uh, yeah. he was never shy about kind of just, you know, saying it like it was, yeah. you know. And um, and that wasn't bravado. Like, you know, that was just, that was his him being irritated by the question, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, he was—he wasn't. Uh, he, the, what I what I loved about him was that he, if somebody approached him in the right manner, you know, he was so gracious and he was so lovely, you know. Uh, but if somebody uh, came at him sideways and uh, tried to kind of, um, you know, have a little uh, 
have a little go at him, you know, when he wasn't kind of prepared. Yeah, he'd he'd, he'd, he'd react, you know. Uh, but uh, there was but a way. Was him. There was a way he, with him. He, he he yeah he was that was his way of handling things, you know. And he was a you know he I remember uh, you mentioned Francie Conway earlier on. Yeah, and I remember Francie telling me a lovely story um, about. Uh, yeah, Francie was, I won't say what town it was because, uh, you know, I don't want to disparage the locality, but uh, uh, but Francie was setting up in this lo- local town. It was a, a Midlands town, you know, and um, uh, like would have been in its heyday, it would have been like uh, a hive of activity, like, uh, you know, a market town. Yeah. And uh, Francie was doing a gig in a pub and he said he set up his gear and, you know, he got a nice sound in the room and, uh, set up his guitar and everything was ready to go and as is the way like for a, a traveling uh you know musician a journeyman he he kind of walked away from the setup he said now i'll go around the corner and i'll find somewhere and i'll have a little little point for myself before the gig and then do the gig and then hit the road for home yeah. so he's walking around the corner and it was one of those towns like old market towns where there's very few jobs and you know, lonely souls walking around out of their box around the town, you know. And uh, he said there was like, you know, it was just short of, um, you know, uh, tumbleweeds coming up the street, you know. And he walked around the corner and uh, he says he, he met Ronnie, who was an old friend. And Ronnie just, the pair of them met each other on the street corner. And Ronnie uh, had a, he wasn't drinking, he had an ice cream and he was licking an ice cream. <laughs> and uh, he just, Looked at Francie and they didn't even say hello to each other. And Ronnie just said, It's an awful fucking hole, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, Phelan, uh, you... I hope you don't mind me cursing on the uh, podcast. Kevin. Oh, not at all, Phelan. No, 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 no. There's, uh, the, we don't have Let's to bleep, we don't have to bleep gives, out anything here. Gives, gives a bit of authenticity to it because that's, you know, that's the way people talk, isn't it? You know? Exactly, exactly. That is exactly the way people well, talk. The way, some if, pe- so, it, the way some people talk. Yeah, if, if you were down in the pub, there'd be even more of them curses coming out and that's, that's the truth. That's it, that's it, that's it. <laughs> you graduated from the, the Gaiety School of, of Acting and, and you're in many of the movies. Uh, the like, Gaiety uh, School of Motoring, I used to call it. <laughs> Uh, you were in my left foot, uh, the Christy Brown story oh, yeah. as, as well, Brian. You know, I, that was that was a that was a lovely uh, that was a lovely opportunity to, yeah. to to rub shoulders with people like Ray McAnally and yeah um, Daniel Day Lewis and of course Brenda Fricker and Ray uh, Mary Economy was in that film actually as well huh. and uh, she uh, she was on the piss with my father on the uh, on the day that I was born actually wow um, yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, it was a great experience, but you know, I only I, I don't claim that as being a. I, I people sort of bring up these things, and I like I had very little to do in terms of the success mm. of those films, you know. And, and, um, but but, I, I, but like, I enjoyed the experience. But even the commitments, like you had a reasonably good part as as the reporter. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, Kevin. I mean, mm. like in terms of my film work and TV work, it's quite limited, you know. Mm. Uh, but I, I've spent my whole life working in the theatre, you know. Yeah, that's and, your thing. Um, yeah, you know, theatre theatre is something that is kind of become a little bit undervalued. Yeah, you know? uh, uh, and it's a shame because you know you, you give your your heart and soul, and I know actors and you know designers and uh, you know technicians and directors, you know, give their heart and soul to a theatre project. But once it's once it's gone, it's gone. It's you know, gone, so yeah. it's. 
you know. Uh, but at, at the same time, I wouldn't. Uh, I haven't been doing a lot of theatre for obvious reasons over the last few years. Yeah. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the next project I'm doing. I'm doing a play called uh, um, called Piaf about Edith Piaf at the Gay Theatre. Okay. So there's a double whammy for me because. I get to work with Des, well, a triple whammy. I get to work with Des Kennedy, who's a great director. I get to work at the uh, Gate Theatre, um, you know, which was founded by McLeamore and Edwards. Um, and I haven't worked there for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I get to be back on stage and, and, and collaborating with other uh, creatives. And that, for me, is, is, is where I'm happiest, you know. Yeah, I was going to uh, say to you, well, that, that is your first love. Well, doing the play every night is yeah. uh, is it can be a chore after a while. You have to keep it fresh for yourself. Yeah. But uh, discovering, you know, what you know, the play and rehearsing and everything that's that's just uh, meat and potatoes for me. You know. Yeah. And and in terms of the the current uh, tour, obviously you're you're doing the tour remembering your dad, Ronnie. Um, what's the? Are you you're obviously enjoying that? And are you are you hearing stories about say the Dubliners as you as you go around the different venues, etc.? Yeah, I'm I'm not really meeting so many people afterwards. Uh, I think the older generation are a bit more reluctant to come out and engage yeah. uh, in the theatres at the moment, mm. and that's proving to be you know challenging. Yeah. Um, uh, since uh, August, I've done a couple of dates. Um, the audiences small as they are have been absolutely gorgeous and are loving the show yeah uh, which makes me want to just keep you know be stubborn and keep and dig in and keep yeah. going um uh and like and uh we, we're in um dundrum tomorrow night and uh you know and i know that a lot of people are, are suffering from low numbers but uh, it would be lovely to see uh, the audience is coming back out again. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm loving doing the show and the, and the, and the punters are, you know, uh, you know, people who are coming to see the show are really, really enjoying it. Um, so it's just a question of, you know, keep, keep, keeping our going, Paddy, you know, or, you know, keeping our going, yeah. um, you know, uh, what's us? I keep, keep, keep her going, keep her going. But I'm sure you're enjoying the songs. I'm sure you're enjoying even being on the stage playing them. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, I, I, I couldn't listen to the Dubliners' uh, back catalogue for a long time because it just was, it was a bit sad. You know? but yeah. Uh, in more, more recent times, I've been listening to the back catalogue, and there's just so many great songs there. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Um, you know, to be, to be able to bring those out, but it's, it's as much about the, the, the stories yeah. as it is about the songs, yeah. and, uh, and sharing those stories with people, myself and the guitar player, Anto Drennan, uh, who was a great friend of Ronnie's and uh, played with Ronnie. We were down in, um, in uh, 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 Tinnahili in Wicklow. Yeah. And uh, this was a couple of years ago now. And we were doing a sort of like a, a, a version of this show. And uh, we met this man afterwards. His name was Michael Kavanagh. And he said he was a neighbour of Ronnie's grown up in Dunleary. My father went to live with his grandparents in uh, in Dunleary, and uh, and so uh, he because uh, uh, the, the 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 family home was too small for all the children. Okay. Um, but uh, what do you call it? He said his mother, um, Mrs. Kavanagh, um, you know, would have Ronnie would have known her growing up. And in the fifties, he went off to Spain. 
and uh, he came home one uh, one summer and he was all tanned and he had a dark suit and he had a crisp white shirt and nice, you know, Spanish yeah. shoes on. And he had a flamenco guitar and he threw his foot up onto the trellis in front of uh, Mrs. Kavanagh with the curlers in the hair and, the, you know, the scarf yeah. over the head. And, uh, and he did a big flamenco flourish on the guitar and he said, what do you think of that, Mrs. Kavanagh? And she 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 looked at him and she says, "Go on, there with that you bloody gob shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, is is it true that is where he started playing guitar? Was in Spain. Yeah, yeah, he picked up the guitar uh, over there, and I think that that was a hugely kind of uh, formative experience for him uh, coming from you know austerity in in, yeah. in Dublin in the nineteen fifties. And and going to Spain, where there was like, I mean, they were suffering from the the effects of the, the, the sort of the after the civil war and everything. Mm-hmm. So there was horrific poverty and horrific, you know, the veterans going around like this the streets begging and that sort of thing. Yeah. So there was a lot of hardship, but there was also um, a great um, the the Spanish and the French and the Italians like they have a a great kind of uh, appreciation of quality in terms of food, you know, olive oil, you know, fresh ingredients uh, in terms of clothes and, you know, and music. Uh, and he just, you know, he just absolutely soaked all yeah, that up. Absolutely wonderful stuff, Elam. Thanks so much for sharing such beautiful stories about your dad. And of course, uh, to get details on Phelan's gigs around the country, check out his Facebook page and Instagram. Thanks a million, Phelan. Thanks a million, Kevin. Now, Mrs. McGrath, the sergeant said, Would you like to make a soldier out of your son, Ted? With a scarlet coat and a big cocked hat. Now, Mrs. McGrath, wouldn't you like that? With me too, by the seashore for the space of seven long years or more she saw big ships sailing into the bay here's my son ted will you clear the way with me too Ooh, right, 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 ooh
find legs behind. But a big cannonball on the 5th of May brought me to find legs from the knees away. But we do time on Ireland Talks podcast. Take it easy and bye-bye. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. You can contact the podcast by email on studio at irelandtalkspodcast.ie.